0: The Cult of
1: Popularity
0: Podcast. And welcome back, poppers, to another episode of the Cult of Popularity Podcast. The only cult that won't harass you at the airport.
1: Ooh, very nice. I like that one. Thanks, man. No, that's all right. You know, it fits. You know, it's it's topical. It is.
0: Does does fit with the uh, one of the things from uh, this episode anyway, which is, of course, airplane exclamation point or flying Flying high high,
1: as as it was better known in. Australia and the UK,
0: and the Philippines, and Japan, and South Africa.
1: As to why we don't know, but we'll get onto that later. Mm-hmm. Other topics for this week, though, we've got the Batman Arkham series video That's games, it. yeah, and our one of our favourite Bushmen All Aussie Adventures starring the great Russell Court.
0: Right, well, let's uh, make sure that our you know, devices are switched to airplane mode. Tables are in the upright position, seatbelts fastened. Let's kick things off with uh, Flying High or Airplane.
1: And what an absolute piece of comedic gold that movie is.
0: Yeah. I think even if someone hasn't seen the film, they know oh, lines definitely. from it.
1: Um, my, yes so many things in there, so many great moments, so, so quotable in every way. It's hard to know where to actually start with it.
0: I mean, it's very... Slapstick. We've sort of covered this when we discuss like Naked Gun, mm-hmm. Leslie Nielsen, uh, and even as an extension of that, Police Squad. Very, very slapstick. Very stupid and over the top, lots of visual gags, lots of puns, you know, and just a lot of weird, there's some really weird shit going on there as there, there really as well. is.
1: Um, I didn't get time to fully rewatch the movie coming up to this, but I did go through and watch a whole bunch of clips and things like that from it and just some of the things on there. One, I'd forgotten they'd happened. Two, some of them were really like, whoa, wow. I'll, I'll give you an example. the The pilot, when he gets, when the kid comes in to check out the cockpit, do you remember that?
0: Yeah, yeah, wow. I remember that. That's one of the scenes I remember as, as wow. a Wow,
1: sure you didn't understand it as a child.
0: I didn't understand it, but I remember my dad laughing uncontrollably at that part and not 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 knowing why. And I think that's why it burnt. It It was fair enough. In the I actually brain.
1: did find um, like a bit here that the directors said when they were casting for it. Peter Graves, who played Captain Clarence O'Vore, originally rejected the script, which is funny because. He considered it tasteless, and apparently Abrams in the DVD commentary says, "I don't understand. What did you think was tasteless about pedophilia?" <laughs> uh,
0: that's gold in yeah, itself.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, I was rewatching. I was just like, "Fuck! I did not remember that." That and really, what it was heavily insinuating—like, what the hell?
0: You ever seen a grown man
1: naked? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh I like my favorite
0: one of those. Have you ever been in a Turkish prison? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so funny. I think the real giveaway was when you when you have you ever been to a, a Greek um
0: the Roman bathhouse.
1: Yeah, that was yeah, it. was a Roman bathhouse. Yeah. Greek would have made more sense. Maybe. It but still Greek. I don't know. We knew it was heavily implied.
0: Yeah. No, that's one of the great little sort of hidden gags in there, I guess. But there's... I don't know if it was hidden. No, it was pretty... It was pretty out there. It was
1: pretty much there. It was very in your face. But also features a lot of the classic comedy that we've seen, it's especially from Leslie Nielsen, as mentioned before, with the, you know, don't... Don't call me Shirley.
0: Yeah, and the oh what's the one when she's like where he says he says to the the stewardess or the air hostess we need to land this plane as quickly as possible we <laughs> need to get these people to a hospital She's like a hospital what is it he's like the big building full of patients but that's not that's not important right
1: now it's like
0: it's just <laughs> such a, like so well delivered and there's uh, another
1: one there that I hadn't picked up on before is when he's talking to uh, Pretty sure, it's Ted Stryker and one of the other stewardesses on the plane. They're talking about like the plan of action. He's like, okay, all together now. And they just repeat what he just said. Yeah. But together.
0: It's just—it's such a good film.
1: It is like I think you need to watch it many times. Um, I think every time you watch that movie, you could probably pick up on another, like either visual gag or some other line or something, and pick up on a joke that you've missed all the other times that you've watched it.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. So many, uh so so many to even choose from. Like when they first come across Leslie Nielsen's character, the Doctor, and they're like. I'm pretty sure he's a doctor, and he's like sitting there. He looks like he's got headphones on at first, but when they they pan across to the front of him, he's his stethoscope in his ears. <laughs> that's it. I like the the guy that runs the traffic control at the airport. Is that that the you talking about? Like the not the, guy, the man and the woman? No, the the guy that's like um, guess I picked the wrong day to give up smoking cigarettes, and then he's like guess I picked the oh, wrong yes. day to give up amphetamines. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, that's funny. No, I thought you were talking about the the announcers. Um, no, not the announcers.
0: Uh, you know,
1: the red zone, white zone um, announcers.
0: No, not not those guys. I even really like you know the really feminine camp sort of guy that that works in the in the air traffic control. Oh, no, working.
1: he he is absolutely great. Like, I <laughs> loved his characters. Like, what can you make of this? I, I don't know. A hat a brooch? A, brooch. a pterodactyl? <laughs> yeah, t- a pterodactyl. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, uh, was it? What's the other one that I really liked? That he does, where he comes in talking about that bike being big. Is it where?
0: Um, yeah, it's like um,
1: the chances are
0: getting slimmer or something. They say something like that, and then he jumps in and grabs that guy by the waist. He's like, "And yeah. Harold's getting larger," <laughs> and disappears. Yes.
1: yes, and he just he has this bewildered look on his face, looking where he's like disappeared off to. It's uh, absolute gold. Absolute gold. I guess we should get into some of the other reasons why this has such a good place. This is like, this movie has a very, very big place, I believe, in pop culture and it's long lasting relevance there as well.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. It's not just, you know, for all the the comedic value that's in it, but it's, yeah. So it's impacted pop culture so much that you even see little gags and stuff in, in things you know, years and years later that are, uh, like, direct references to the, this film.
1: Mm. It's everything lasting. It's always cited in, like, when it comes down to comedy films and everything like that from the last century or whatever. It, it's, it's always up there, usually within... The top ten, if not the top five.
0: Yeah, I'm just actually having a look at some stats here at the moment. And it was ranked sixth on Bravo's funniest hundred funniest films or movies list. And in two thousand seven, in the UK, the channel channel four team did a poll or whatever, and it was judged the second greatest comedy film of all time after Monty Python's Life
1: of Brian. Interesting. Would like to know if that poll was taken outside of England, whether or not one. Life of Brian would have come out on top, and two, where, where Flying High would have sat. Yeah, it'd definitely
0: be very interesting.
1: We also want to know whether or not people actually got to select what they were putting down, or whether they were given a short list of movies.
0: Yeah, whether well, it was just an all-over all vote, or if it was his 15 movies, which one's do you think are the best?
1: And of course, was has made it for selection for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. I don't know if it's historically significant, but culturally, oh no, certainly uh, for the history of film. Definitely significant. Yeah, that's true. Something that I found out, which I didn't realise though. So I always thought this was just like a parody film of like, you know, other disaster movies and things like that. Because apparently a massive spate of like disaster movies and one's called Airport, an airport airport series of films made in the 70s that it was taking the piss out of. What I didn't realise is that it is... Pretty much a complete remake taken satirically and in parody of a film called Zero Hour, which was made in 1957. did not know that. Uh, Not only did it borrow the plot, but also the central characters, as in, like, Ted Stryker. Um, Like, the the characters are the same. I was actually watching um, this video before where they took scenes from both movies and just would swap in between them for the same scene, and it was, like, line for line the same.
0: Oh, wow. So, they were- Pretty much they pretty much ripped off the movie or did a parody of it. But
1: Yes, it was done in parody of that movie, which from what I can gather was already a comedy anyway. Right. So how did and they I avoid getting took it- sued? Well, they did take to their lawyers, lawyers said, Yes, you're right, it's okay. You got parody on your side. Um however the film's uh, creators bought the rights to zero hour for two thousand five hundred US dollars at the time. It's cool Just to cover their own asses. Yeah, so obviously they knew that they were very much pushing the envelope for parody at the time
0: Yeah, uh, obviously they were they were very much aware of the predicament they could have got themselves into So they, you know, covered their asses, which is, you know,
1: smart uh, Very smart indeed But yeah, no, absolutely amazing just how likeness for likeness it was Yeah And sorry, Zero Hour was, was actually a drama film, it wasn't a comedy Which from what I saw of it, is very hard to believe Yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, I love when films are classified as something and then you look, you watch it and you just like laugh all the way through and you're like, that was a great comedy and then someone's like, that wasn't meant to be a comedy. <laughs> um, it performed pretty well at the box office though.
1: And that would be an understatement, I believe.
0: Yeah, it actually smashed it. So it was the pre-screenings that had really sort of mixed and mediocre sort of reviews and they were a bit sort of worried but they... Earned their entire budget of three point five million back in in the first five days um, of the Nose. wider release. Uh, overall, it, overall, it grossed eighty three million at the US and Canadian box office, returning forty million dollars in rental. Uh, made it that made it the fourth highest grossing film nineteen eighty, and it grossed one hundred fifty eight million worldwide, which in the
1: eighties big bucks, That's A lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money now. Especially off a budget of $3.5 Yeah. Um, and taking out awards as well, it received the Writers Guild of America Award for Best Adapted Comedy, as well as receiving nominations for Golden Globe for Best Most Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, and a BAFTA as well for Best Screenplay.
0: Nice. Which is funny, because I always thought of it when I, when I watched it as a kid. Even as a kid, it was pretty, like, if it looked old even then, I was like, oh, you know, maybe this is just like some... Like B movie or something like that. And Then when I grew up and actually, you know, started watching it properly and, and everything like that, I'm like, man, this this is no wonder. This is a classic,
1: especially for the time. Uh, definitely, mm. like you know, I reckon it, it was. Oh, I wouldn't say it, it did definitely push the envelope in some areas. Um, going back to early comments about <laughs> the pilot's jokes with the child. But I think it was a very good putting all of that just there was like really in any one scene there is really there's a lot happening at any one time in that movie with the, with the puns, the visual, the slapstick and everything else that's going on. There's always something happening on screen
0: oh certainly and then even like and back on the weird shit that happens is even like that that little kid that takes the the coffee to the other little girl yeah he's like you like cream and she's like no i take it black like my men." It's like she's like yes. eight <laughs>
1: yes oh yeah yeah it's like wow cool like, um, and um what even in that one there's that that old that bloke who takes a swig from his flask and offers it to the lady sitting opposite, opposite him on the aisle. Yeah, and she just looks at him and says no, and then just does does a couple of nines. And I say she 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 powers them down too, like in like kudos to her. Oh yeah, she's uh she's
0: not bad on the old nose candy.
1: <laughs> and then oh, I think they do a little um, was it oh which one was it? I bewitched. Yeah, I think it was, it's it's that like a little. Always wanted a little joke to uh, bewitch there at the end after she uh does the lines and she taps a nose and they play that little bit of you know, music there, little chime. I'm not sure music if it's that or if it's
0: because, like. Like Christmas, out they sort of sound like Christmas sort of bells. So I thought maybe it was like you know she's got like a little white Christmas oh, going on in her nose. But I don't, yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, all right, very nice. That's that's my takeaway take away from it. I thought it was like a, uh, a bit more of a joke on the fact that you've got to be taking since some, some pretty good stuff to think that you're a witch or to have a witch as a wife or something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I well, know it's uh, it's uh, open for debate. It's true. It's true.
1: Tell us what you think. Yeah,
0: let us know. Drop us some comments and uh, let us know about that and and why you think it's called aer- airplane in some countries and flying high in others.
1: That's right. Definitely, we have found some theories. Um, however, you can't find anything solid on why. Yeah,
0: best answer wins a t shirt. Not a t shirt from the show. I'll just find one out of my wardrobe and I'll mail you a t shirt. <laughs> what a price. <laughs> what a price. Random <laughs> pre worn clothes. It's like going to, to the Salvos or a. Uh, Thrift store, I guess, if you're in America, but without the satisfaction of paying someone for the used clothes. <laughs>
1: um, there were some interesting choices I saw in casting as well. Yeah, I once saw that uh, D- David Letterman was almost in the film. Almost, yeah, almost. He uh, was actually going to be Ted Striker because the the role of Ted Stryker was written with David Letterman in mind. Oh wow. yeah. Um, but in the end, obviously, that is not who they went th- went for. Because Letterman had auditioned for the role of the news anchor in the Kentucky Fried movie, Zucker, or the Abrams Zucker Zaz, as we found out they liked to <laughs> They referred to yeah. in their first film, Kentucky Fried Movie. Uh, but obviously, they went in a different path and chose Robert Hayes instead. Yeah, I think he was very good. in Also, when it came to oh, he did, yeah, no, he did a great job. Another reason uh, a lot of the actors that they cast, they deliberately cast actors which had never done comedy before, and I know that sounds weird to say that, especially when it comes when you look at the actors, because a lot of them end up going on to having quite a good career in comedy, such obviously like Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Um, just because they thought it would be funnier to have actors that weren't comedians play the play these roles.
0: Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I still think the sight of um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the cockpit is hilarious because he's such a huge man.
1: <laughs> he is. He is. Roger Murdoch, um, which is funnily enough as well. Uh, in Zero Hour, they also cast a sports person at the time to play the co-pilot.
0: So it's terrible. Definitely very, like, oh, much wow. taken from. Yeah. You.
1: Yeah. It's pretty, pretty amazing.
0: Was anyone uh, who who originally auditioned for the autopilot?
1: He even gets his own name, Otto. Otto. He's actually credited in the credits, Otto, as, as himself. Otto. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and what a fitting time for us to be doing this episode about flying and travel when no one can do any of that.
1: Oh, you know, you can dream, just take it away with you and enjoy it.
0: Work on the movie and pretend.
1: Uh, finally, uh, about uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as well as uh, Robert Hayes, who actually apparently you know travel Wisconsin, ad um, reprising their roles from the film. Uh, where Kareem makes the comment, why did I ever leave this place? Um, also referring to his time playing for the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: There you go. So, I mean, that's not the only film Kareem's been in either. He was in uh, Game of Death with Bruce Lee as well. Yeah, nice. They actually have a fight scene together, which is um, kind of funny. Uh, because Bruce yes. is very small, but there's actually one part in it where Bruce is pretty much doing a standing split. So he's got his leg that high in the air that he's to Be able to hit Kareem in the chin, it makes for a great visual though.
1: Something I've never actually seen was the the, the actual sequel to the film. Don't know if I've seen it or not. Aptly titled Airplane 2, The Sequel, it's released two years afterwards. Um, however, it was done with a more science fiction sort of feel around it, um, taking on the parody of like disaster films again as well. Mm-hmm. Just
0: having a quick glance at the cast of it, unless you got people like. William Shatner, Rip Torn, and Sonny Bono in it.
1: Yeah, it did include most of the cast from the original one. However, the writers and directors did not take part in it at all, as they had no desire to make a sequel. Fair enough. Nor have they apparently ever seen it. They're like screw you guys. I am pretty sure that nah, had much lasting, much oh, a less lasting impact than the original and the classic. And so, I think basically to sum it up it was. I do, this, uh, of, sure I do have this little piece of not too sure what to call it. this little piece of what Peter Farrelly of the Farrelly Brothers had to say about the film. Um, he said, "I was in Rhode Island the first time I saw Airplane. Seeing it for the first time was like going to a great rock concert, like seeing Led Zeppelin or the Talking Heads. We didn't realise until later that we'd seen wh- that what we'd seen was a very specific kind of comedy that we now call the Zucker abrahams Zucker school." And of course, he along with his writing partner, Bennett Yellen, sent a comedy strip to David Zucker, who in return gave them their first Hollywood writing job. And he said, I'll tell you right now, if the Zuckers didn't exist, there would be no Forelli Brothers. Wow. That's, that's... If you're wondering who I'm talking about, Forelli Brothers are well known for such classics as Dumb and Dumber, King Ping. There's something about Mary,
0: all those ones, and there's some great films in there uh, in their catalog as well. That's
1: true. Apparently Peter Farrelly actually did uh, was the director and producer of Movie 43, which is a movie that people either really like or absolutely fucking hate, I found.
0: Yeah, it's um it's a the real Veggie mite of a of a film. It divides people it is, straight down the middle.
1: It really does. I personally enjoyed it. I actually recommended it to a friend once and he said he was never watch a movie that I recommended to him again. <laughs>
0: I uh, I made my wife watch it. Um, well, I suggested we watch it. I didn't like hold her at gunpoint or anything. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. You're just saying that for the recording, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: as the record will show, I never held her at gunpoint. No, it's she watched it, and she, we got to the end of it, and she was like laughing, and then she goes, "That was fucked." I'm like, yeah,
1: <laughs> it really was. Especially because it's that that last one is really fucked as well. If I remember correctly, that's the one with like the cartoon cat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is interesting movie that one because there's actually two different. Rumor has it there may be three, but it's definitely two different versions of that movie out there too. And I'm
0: pretty sure we've discussed this before. We've actually both seen different versions of it. So you, have you, see, have mm. you seen the one where the kids looking for the porn tape? Yes, that's right. And I've seen the one where the producer or director, like whatever it is, st- writer is doing his film pitch, film pitches. Mm.
1: Which is it's funny, yeah, because yeah, that's definitely not a version I've seen. It again, let us know if you've seen
0: if you've seen movie forty three. What did you think of it? And uh, I'm hoping that's in the hats because I actually wouldn't mind doing an episode on that. It's got a great cast in it. It's got a stellar cast. Like it is is studded. It really is. Different levels of stars too. Yeah, you have got some big names, and then you've got some. Not too big name. But yeah, overall, if you haven't watched Airplane or Flying High, you've probably been living under a rock or in a cult. Not the right cult because you haven't been listening to us. Are we going to give it a, uh, a score?
1: Uh, yes. 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 You know what? I'm actually going to give Airplane, Flying High, whatever you want to call it, five autos out of five.
0: Yeah, I agree. It has to be five out of five. It is It's a, just a hilarious film from start to finish. Gut-bustlingly funny. Just a, it's, a, it's a work of art, what it is.
1: True words have never been said. So,
0: from a uh, film written and directed by Zaz to a series of games, we come across Victor Zaz, Arkham series.
1: Oh, oh very nice. If you do say so
0: yourself. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all about tooting my own horn. I'll give that thing a blast any chance I get.
1: Uh, but the Arkham series of games, what I think one of the best superhero um, adaptations of a video game that we've ever been graced with. I'm struggling to think of anything that's been better. It took, uh, took took the Bat, the Batman, which really, when you think about it, he's actually a really good superhero um, to basic, a game on because he doesn't have, like, the mad superpowers and everything else. He's got his gadgets and whatever else. It works really well when done right as, as showcased by Rocksteady making the Arkham series of games.
0: He's powerful without being overpowered. Like, he's not OP, so you just feel like you're smashing everybody. You have to actually think and plan stuff out. Yeah,
1: definitely. This is where we do differ a little bit. Both agree. First two games, absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed Arkham Knight. Didn't enjoy Origins so much.
0: I thought Origins was okay. I liked Arkham Knight. I think City's the best in the series.
1: Yeah, no, they're all good. They're all good. I really did enjoy Arkham Knight. I liked having the entire... city to fly around and driving the Batmobile and everything else. I think the story for me and everything that's going on in night was a little bit more engaging and all the extra stuff you could do, like all the real challenges going on and just, yeah, there was so much to do.
0: Yeah, I'll give you that. I got pretty tired of the Batmobile combat battles because they got very repetitive after a while. It's
1: funny. I was reading reviews and stuff and that was actually one of the biggest things that people said had a problem with with that game. Because
0: driving the Batmobile was sick. Like
1: That was great fun. but So I uh, was be more like the, the sections where you had to be in the Batman to be able to do stuff, to progress the story.
0: Not even that. Like, using it and using the gadgets on it and stuff is fine. But, like, the battles, there's probably at least three battles they could, probably could have taken out of it and the game would have been better for it because it would have left made the battles feel a little bit more fresh.
1: Yeah, yeah fair call. Fair call. I didn't mind it. <clears throat> Loved it. Um One thing I would like to get my hands on one day is the Batman Arkham VR game.
0: You can play it at my house. Oh, you've played it. it. Tell I've me more. It. Um, I played it drunk one night when I first got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and without giving anything away, there's a pretty decent jump scare in it. And it scared the shit out of me. I was like, ah, motherfucker. <laughs>
1: That's good. That's good. Is it? Is it like, is it like what you would expect? Like, is it just the Batman game and you're playing it in VR or is it more Not like really. an interactive like sort of interactive. immersive story? Yeah, yeah. It's like
0: a point and click sort of thing, but you go and That's explore stuff. But it's, um, Yeah. I mean that's the only real that's the real downside of it. The one thing I didn't like, spoilers, is there comes there's a point where you can either choose to take the Batwing or take the Batmobile. Okay. And I like I deliberated over it for ages. I was like, Oh, Batmobile's awesome. Oh it'd be pretty cool to fly. Yeah, I decided to want to
1: take whilst people's lives are at risk. Yeah. Some Batman you are.
0: And I picked I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna the Batmobile, I'm gonna go classic. And doesn't it doesn't matter what you pick. It just skips you to the next section anyway. Like, you don't hoon oh, there or anything like oh, that. And I was like... That, yeah, is, I
1: would have been pretty pissed about I was that. Like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> Spends all this time deliberating over which vehicle to choose, and it just cutscenes scenes you to the location.
0: It was like a minute, a minute and a half. I wasn't sitting there for like three hours just going, oh,
1: fuck. Still, I think... You've got a good point though that they'll reckon that is a very missed opportunity there. Depending on which one you took, you either takes you like even if it's just a short fly over the city if you took the back bat wing or something so you can look around and see the city that would have been mm. sick or going pretty fast paced through the in the Batmobile through the streets of Gotham yeah. to get to where you need to be I, yeah see so yeah, how quickly I agree. you can
0: rack rack up that fucking motion sickness on the VR. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's funny my mate he got a uh, VR thing and he had like the a roller coaster thing mm. on it <laughs> people come round and cuz you know you don't actually have to do anything or interact he, he- and people didn't want to really play or didn't want them, like smashing up his house, he'll put them in that, which apparently was a really bad thing to do because a lot of people ended up feeling sick and still didn't want to use it again. That's funny.
0: I've, I never got the motion sickness. I never got the motion sickness thing with VR. Like, I've never experienced it.
1: Oh, You're lucky then. I, I definitely oh, I didn't feel motion sickness, but definitely made me, like when I first got into it, like looking around and moving around, just feel, it just feels weird and a little bit disorientating because in some cases you're not actually moving, but it, it feels like it should be.
0: Yeah, I made sure I moved my coffee table out the way. I didn't want to fuck
1: machines up. <laughs> uh, but we do digress. Yeah. Um, getting off topic. Back to. I think a couple of the biggest wins that they took with this was first of all, they got a veteran writer for Batman, uh Paul Dini mm-hmm. to write for them. No, uh, well, he wrote the first two games. Um as well as they got the voice actors, uh Kevin Conroy and the great Mark Hamill to do the roles of batman and the joker which yeah anyone that watched the 1990s batman animated series which is still one of the best animated series you could ever watch um played those
0: roles conroy as batman is great hamill as joker is next level amazing like it's um but even the even like the villains and stuff you come across like because you do come across some other villains in there as well.
1: Wait, there's heaps of them. Like I think they did a great job of being able to fit in the different villains. That they did some of them like they're only very minor parts into it, but there's so much there. Like for real people that like get right into the whole Batman lore and everything else and know this, that, and whatever about Batman. Like, There's just a plethora of little secrets and Easter eggs, I'm sure, which most of most of them will, probably would have gone straight over our heads, but for people that really love Batman, like they would have been whoa, loving it.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Even I'm a, bit of a little bit of a Batman nerd, but even when you go into, I think it's, which one is it? Arkham City, When you go into the courthouse and you go to the bottom level, there's a jail cell down there. It's got the Calendar Man in there. And he just spouts yep. different bits and pieces, but if you go in there on certain dates, like if your PlayStation or whatever you're playing it on is displaying, you know, for example, Christmas, he'll give a Christmas message. That's pretty cool. Things like that, like it adjusts, which is really, which is really clever.
1: It's the little things, you know. And these so there's those little things as well um, that that can really add a lot more to a game, especially a game like this where you're, you're already using a very well established property, being Batman. Mm-hmm. There's so much, so much story and background that they put in there. And it is a lot of it's very subtle, other of it's very obvious. And it's just so much of it there. And they they did a really good job of putting everything they did into these games.
0: Oh yeah. And like it's it's one of those games and I was actually talking to my brother about this the other day. It's very rare nowadays that you play a game that doesn't feel like anything else you've ever played before. Mm-hmm
1: like you play funny funny you should say that right um, I know Warner Brothers who who's yeah, they they've gone on to make a lot of games uh, since the original um, Arkham Asylum game and a lot of them are very similar this so I think it's you've got the uh, the Mordor games mm-hmm. obviously and the uh, the Lord of the Rings realm as well as the Mad Max game
0: Mad Max games is a very good example because the combat system's pretty much identical
1: it is exactly the same same with the um, Mordor games. This same fighting system, and then obviously Mad Max, they really heavily pulled on the vehicle combat that came from Arkham Knight. Yeah, in that, but yeah, the fighting combat, all three games, very same. And after playing them, after you know, obviously playing Batman, it was very almost a little bit samey playing the other games.
0: Yeah, definitely. But I think from the Batman side of things and playing the initial game, like playing Arkham Asylum, it was so different. It's sort of like, you know, you play, you play shooters or whatever you play, anything like that. You know, you play Call of Duty, you play Battlefield. It's all the same, essentially like, you know, R2 shoot, l twos aim or fights or whatever. You're playing it on the same keys, do the same thing. But, with this, it was just like it was. It was a breath of fresh air. The first time you picked up Arkham Asylum, you're like, "Wow, this is completely different." I actually kind of have to have to pay attention during this little tutorial bit of learning how to do shit because I don't have a fucking clue what's going on.
1: I think, and it did a very good job actually making you feel like you were Batman. Yeah, like you could get into you into the story, like this, this, the whole overarching story for like all three games is, Well, four games if you want to include Origins, um, is fantastic.
0: Uh, it certainly is. Well written, sucks you in. All of the games, and I will even admit, except for Origins, I think Origins gets a bit of a hard time. But I can see why, because it's shitter compared to all the other games. But it's still okay. Well, it goes back
1: like a it's a prequel game. It goes backwards, and I just I didn't like. i played it a little bit, and I was just oh, yeah, I didn't really like it. Like you're going backwards, which means you got like these what rudimentary back gadgets, if you will. Yeah. But at the same time they were just the same gadgets that you got in Asylum and yeah.
0: It felt it did feel a bit lazy, I'll give you that. But even even across all of them though, like you do have that the story sucks you and they've got a lot of replay like replayability. I probably wouldn't replay Origins, but the rest, the other three, uh, definitely, uh, you know, you can play play through them and then, you know, maybe play through them and try different ways of approaching combat or whatever. And they've got that, that replayability. Yeah, definitely. So I was actually thinking about the other day. You don't really replay games that much anymore. Like when you were a kid, you would have played through games lots, I guess, because you didn't get as many games and games weren't coming out as quickly as they are nowadays but you, you replay the shit out of your games like you play through them like a million times now if you get to the end of like a massive story and you finish it you're like yeah all right i'm done with that but you never get rid of them out of the collection that's
1: true that's oh I and mean, shit i've still got some kicking around so like, i'll play those again one day and you never gonna play them again probably not but they're still there collecting dust um, i think another thing to show just how much of a massive impact these games had is the fact that in arkham knight they actually traded their own villain that hadn't been seen in the comics or anything else previously as well.
0: Yeah, well that's true, even though the twist ending wasn't really that much of a surprise. They were...
1: It wasn't. If you knew, I guess, but more so if you knew your Batman lore a little bit, I think. If you
0: knew your Batman lore, but the funny thing is Warner Brothers was like, no, 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 that's not what it's going to be, that's not what it's going to be, and it's exactly what it was. <laughs> I'm trying not to give it away for people that haven't played through the game, but if you haven't played through it, definitely play through it, but if you know your uh, your, your Batman... You'll, you'll see it coming a mile off. You will. You will.
1: I do You have to agree with what you. What I did yeah. just notice,
0: though, is Arkham Knight's actually got... So it looks like every single one of the games, James Gordon was voiced by someone different. Interesting. Uh, so by Tom Kane in Arkham Asylum, Asylum David Kaye in Arkham City. I don't know who any of these people are. Uh, in Origins and Origins Blackgate, <laughs> it was Michael Goff. Again, don't know who that is. But then when it got to Arkham Knight... He's voiced by Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks is one of probably one of the best characters in Breaking Bad and Better Call Soul. He plays Mike Ehrmantraut, and he's an absolute amazing character. Like, he's so good. Every time you see him come on the screen, you're like, "Oh fuck, something's going, something good's going to happen." Mm. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. But then I noticed that uh, Asylum City and City Lockdown, Conroy did Batman and Night. Underworld and the VR, he did Batman, but for Origins and Blackgate, it was Roger Craig Smith. The Joker wasn't voiced by Hamill in Origins as well. Maybe that's why people hate Origins so much. Just didn't live up to it. Just couldn't. You could. Well, how could you? They could have at least. Stuck with the you know, the right car.
1: Yeah, I was just noticing because I was looking through the voice actors as well and saw the name Tara Strong who played um Harley Quinn in the games. I was like that name is familiar with me. I thought so. She I'm pretty sure she did. She was in Rugrats, pretty sure she did um oh what was Tommy's brother's name? Deal. Deal, Deal Pickles.
0: She's also in of course. Powerpuff Girls, Fairly Odd Parents, Teen Titans and Shaolin Showdown. I don't know what
1: that is. Yeah, I should... <laughs> Heaps and heaps of yeah, more modern um, cartoons. Uh, when it comes to video games, though, so she's she's done characters in Mortal Kombat Ten, uh, Jack and Daxter, great game franchise there as well. Yeah, well,
0: interesting little side note, I guess. Kevin Conroy does Thomas Wayne in Arkham Asylum as well, and in <laughs> I actually the-
1: just saw that as well. I was going to say he plays his own dad.
0: He does play his own dad, <laughs> and Tom Kane, who uh, let me have a look. Tom Kane, who played, who was one of the voices of Jim Gordon, he's the original Jim Gordon in Arkham Asylum, is also the voice of Quincy Sharp, and he's also the voice of Amadeus Arkham. So the guy that you know when you go in through Arkham Asylum, rock me, Amadeus. Yeah, that one, not that one.
1: Rock me, Amadeus.
0: Um, Amadeus, Amadeus. <laughs> uh, when you go, when you go through, there's like the little collectibles in Arkham Asylum that like play tapes from the. The original warden or the guy that built it. That's him, just so you... Just for a bit of...
1: Just, you know, a bit of context there.
0: Nolan North does uh Oswald Copperpot, also known as The Penguin. He does a
1: lot of voice acting as well. What the
0: fuck? <laughs> Look at this. It's, yeah. It's got... Um, where did I say it? Oh, yeah. Floyd Lawton, or Deadshot, was voiced by Chris Cox in Arkham City. Still listed as TBA in... Origins and Origins Blackgate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. They've got they've got um TBA. TBA New Yeah, they've got DLC planned for that that they just haven't released yet, man. Uh,
0: of course. The old DLC. But yeah, I think overall it is a great game. Like you've got I mean you've got the Riddler challenges in all of them. Like you're to find the trophies and stuff in the first couple. Mm. And then it's the um the car ones you have to do with the Batman: in Arkham Knight, which some of those are infuriating.
1: They can be, yes. Uh,
0: but overall, they are a fun challenge. And the Riddler's a great character in these games. Actually, there's a real throwback to older style video games. I guess when you when you die in certain parts, whether you if you're going up against the Joker or if you're going through the Penguin's area or you're doing Riddler challenges or whatever, when you die, the person who you're closest to or you're taking one right at that time. Is the one that will taunt you in the like in the post-death little film clip? Yes, yeah. Which is um, which used to be pretty big in games, and you don't see a lot of anymore.
1: No, not really. Should we uh, should we go into some of the accolades the game series has Why managed not? to win? Uh, so the the first game in the series, Arkham Asylum, obviously came to massive critical acclaim, mm-hmm. um, and it actually held the Guinness World Record for most critically acclaimed superhero game ever um having a metacritic score of 91.67 until <laughs> the release of the sequel arkham city yeah. in 2011 um which uh, was praised for going for a darker side of batman um which hadn't been seen in video games previously uh, as well as the combat and stealth gameplay um which is i think something we should touch on next as well um obviously then like just all these um batman gad- bat gadgets and whatever else as well and going into as mentioned before just all the massive batman lore and easter eggs hidden all over the game as well um and i from what i can gather it still holds that place wow that
0: that's impressive considering you know how long ago it came out well, it came out in 2011 so nine years which is big yeah. which is big in gaming because things move so it quickly in i mean gaming again
1: nowadays. i'll I will put it down to the fact that again, it's it's still a, it's that's a fairly specific game genre, yeah, superhero video game. But still, there have been lots made. Um, I would actually be interested the Spider-Man game that was released last year, potentially the year before. Um, did was very well received. I don't think it was enough to to knock Arkham City off its pedestal, but was a good was a good game. Was a good superhero game. It was.
0: Um, I've only played bits and pieces of it. I still don't actually own it, bit of a travesty. Uh, but from what I've played of it, it's actually a lot of fun and that's a really well put together game as well.
1: It was. Story was very good for that. Um, I have finished it and started playing some of the DLC. Uh, I'm still not too sure if PlayStation Store was meant to give it to me, but it told me it was free. So I just started adding it and then I'll come back a, a month or so later and the next installment of that DLC will just be free again. I'm like, whatevs, I'm just, I'm just going to add it to my library. Fair enough. Why not?
0: It's free. It's free.
1: That, that's that's the way it looks at it. I'm like, don't think that's right, but I'm going to take it. Um, but yes, Arkham City has eventually taken away with a 95.94% metacritic critic rating which is very impressive you know left that little bit of room for improvement there
0: a little bit but yeah overall gameplay it's it's a really fun game to play because you you feel like you're batman like you know you're hiding in the you shadows you really do like
1: exactly yeah so you got like the what the full on like you know you go in, you take down a whole bunch of thugs. Um, but then you know, you've got to go into those tilt sections. You usually most notably designated by the fact that there's now pricks with guns wandering around and assault rifles.
0: Yeah. And they they do things to keep it interesting or stop you from doing the you know, the same shit over and over again. Cause you can always, you know, go up and hide on a gargoyle and then drop down and take someone. But after a while they start, you know, putting collars on the guards. So if you, you know, take one it sets off an alarm so then the other ones are more alert or putting bombs on the gargoyle so if you spend too long on them they'll blow up or whatever to keep it fresh so you don't just keep doing the same shit over and over again.
1: There's something I actually really like to do is like during those stealth sections is try and see how many guards I can take down silently and not leave like bodies behind or something like that to be found. Yeah. To see how... Um, waiting for it because eventually it does get to that point where the guards will start calling out to another one and be like, oh, hang on, wait a minute, someone's actually missing, which is cool.
0: Yeah. The AI is actually really good in it uh, across the whole series. I even used to like doing, um, if I needed a distraction, if I had someone, I'd already taken a guard and I hung him up from a gargoyle, throwing a batarang at the rope and cutting him loose, then he'd fall down and then mm-hmm. the guards would run over there and I could go and do whatever I needed to do. Nice. Diversion tactic. Um-
1: Another thing that was really important, because when I play, it was the Windows release of Arkham Knight. It was apparently received pretty badly due to the fact that apparently it just was extremely buggy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so buggy, in fact, that um, it was actually removed from the Steam store for a period of time there. For, and so people wouldn't keep buying it and then complaining about how buggy it was. Oh, wow. Uh, Funny enough, that is where I bought it. That's where I played it. Um, I never had a problem with it. So... Maybe one of the lucky ones. Yeah, I mean, sounds like I got lucky there because apparently, even after they apparently fixed it and put it back up, apparently people still complained about it being extremely buggy still. So Haters going to hate. You know, who's gonna hate. That's it. Um, other adaptations of it, though, there's a couple of novels, yeah, of the story. One just being, uh, of, of Arkham Knight, one being The Riddler's Gambit, and the other one's just a novelization of the actual story of Arkham Knight, right? Um, as well as that, there must have been like port, uh, there were ports made of the game as well for things like, um, Origins Blackgate it was apparently ported to both the PlayStation Vita and the Nintendo 3DS, um, which I can only imagine would be horrible.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine it being great, although I've got. Arkham City on Wii U and... It's actually pretty fun to play, except you can't play it just on the screen. You have to play it on the TV and the screen because you use the screen for certain bits in the game as well.
1: That makes sense, yeah. I, I couldn't see how you could just play it on like the screen on the controller. That would that seems weird to me. But I reckon incorporating the screen to the controller to do stuff would be cool.
0: Yeah, and that's what they did, which was, was, was actually pretty good. I'm interested in all these mobile games that came out because I didn't realise there were so many. There's Arkham City Lockdown, Arkham Origins Mobile, Arkham Origins Blackgate and Arkham Underworld are all like handheld. Oh, not not no, sorry. Arkham Origins Blackgate wasn't a mobile game, but the other ones are all mobile games. So Origins, Mobile, Arkham City Lockdown and Arkham Underworld are all mobile games, which is interesting.
1: I didn't realise there was three of them. Overall though, if you are looking for like a superior game or a game that has a good combination between that combat and the stealth side of it as well, because there, there is a good balance between the two throughout yeah. all the games. Um, Definitely, if you've never got around to it, definitely recommend giving giving them a try. Start at the beginning. Play Arkham Asylum. Go through it all because there's a massive story over all three games, which is just it is worth your time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, it is worth going through them. Just play the main the main three, unless you're a massive you yep. know, Batman fan and you Agreed. want to do all of it, do Origins as well, I guess. But for the most part, just do the the main three. And oh. you will have a great time.
1: There was something else I wanted to mention. Well. The, there was actually an animated film made. Oh, really? Based off the, the, the mythos that came about from the Arkham games. It, was, it didn't feature heavily on Batman. It was uh, called Batman Assault on Arkham. And apparently, it actually takes place two years before Arkham Asylum. So, it's in between Origins and Arkham Asylum. Actually, more focuses on a suicide squad. I've seen that. I've so you seen shot that. Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, Killer Frost, Black Spider and King Shade. Yeah, Batman is in it. But yeah, that was actually part of that entire universe.
0: I didn't realise they were tied together. Well, there you go. No, I've definitely seen that. That was actually pretty good. good. I
1: must say, one thing DC Comics does well is their animated films and cartoon series. Oh, yeah, 100%. Can't say so much about their live action films. <laughs> no. No, you can't. Uh, Shazam was good, though. I must say, I haven't I seen watched yet, But I will definitely watch it.
0: You wanna write this one? I would give the whole series, I'd give it four goons out of five.
1: Only because of origin telling nice. it back. Four goons out of five. You know what that sounds like, don't you? Goon sacks. Yes, yes, I'm fully aware. It really does. Goon sacks.
0: Who calls it a goon It's A goon bag, mate. Goon sack, goon bag, you can call it whatever you want. Medieval people uh, call look, it. Yeah. I'm also
1: going to give it four. However, I will be a basic bitch about it, and I'm going to give it four batarangs out of five. You are a basic bitch. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah,
0: given the. this
1: one better be good, mate.
0: This is a hard one to connect. So, while we're talking about goon bags, goon sacks, let's take a trip and hit the road somewhere where they're very commonplace. All of the adventures. Not in the show, but in Australia.
1: It is time to hit the road indeed. Not yet. We do still have all our adventures to do, but let's get into it. Talk about the myth, the man, the legend that is Russell Coit.
0: You got that round the wrong way, but whatever.
1: How do I get that incorrect?
0: It's the man, the myth, the legend.
1: No, because he, he was just a myth. Then he was a man. And he became a legend. I'm pretty sure you've wanted the man, the myth, the legend. And I'm saying that in this particular instance, oh, in this ghost, the, the man, the legend.
0: He's he's a legend, old Russell Coit.
1: We've had we have mentioned
0: Glenn Robbins a lot on the show. He knows probably more about Russell than anyone because he is credited as in a di- in a directorial role for the TV series.
1: Uh, Russell also he does he actually also um, gives special thanks to Glenn Robbins during the credits. Does I eh? As well as uh, Tom Gleisner.
0: Tom Gleisner? 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 i think sure it's Gleisner.
1: Gleisner, probably. I mean it's like German or something.
0: But yeah, he's um he's the host of Have You Been Paying
1: Attention. And he was also the judge for Thank God You're Here. Probably more well known things that he's done. And pretty he's actually pretty involved, I guess you could say, when it comes to like Australian TV shows. Uh, but definitely that's what that's what you know his face from. Yeah, definitely. Um where do you start with Russell Coit? <laughs> It's it's a, it's a very good question. Where do you start with Russell Coyte? He is he, he's a survival and wildlife expert that will probably, in all reality, lead you to your death. Very much so. Um, he's very. I was trying to. I was. I was, I was rewatching it. I was trying to feel like what, what sort of person would you class Russell Coyte as? Is he? Is very he's egotistical and narcissistic in a way?
0: He's very high on his own abilities as a. Uh, bush survival man which he probably shouldn't be uh given his uh exploits they get caught on camera
1: mm, he's he's always getting annoyed at other people who may be trying to steal the limelight away from him whenever he has a guest on he or either cutting them short or telling them what's what and what's going on in regards to how how the TV you know he's meant to be looking in front of the cameras
0: yeah he um when it's, I mean, the whole show is obviously, you know, getting onto the serious side of things. It is actually a, a massive parody um, of, you know, people like Steve Irwin, Leland Brothers, Bush Tucker Man, Malcolm Douglas, all of those sort of people. But it's hilarious because, you know, he's so, he's so accident-prone and anything that can go wrong will go wrong whenever he's trying to do
1: something. <laughs> Very much so.
0: Um, Like, there's an episode where he's demonstrating because he's always he's always big on he doesn't like uh city slickers as he calls them or you know fancy because mm-hmm. they come out with their fancy gadgets that break as soon as you try to use them and things like that and he even you know will come across people stranded on the side of the road and he calls like them city slickers and stuff and they've you know got more advanced sort of like like better looking vehicles and sort of have no more know-how than he does but he sort of brushes it off and then, you know tries to help them and then inevitably dooms them yeah. Uh, then it's time to hit the road. Then it's time to hit the
1: road. I think that's one of my favourite bits. It's the fact that, like, you'll be out there and you'll find, like, the amount of people he finds stuck on the side of the road because their car's broken down in some way. He's like, ah, oh, here they are. It's because they didn't come out with one of these. And you'll go out and help them. I was that one where he bloody kissed that um massive inflatable thing to put under it to jack this bloke's car up, hooks it up to the exhaust of his car and starts inflating. doesn't take it off, and it just literally flips this guy's car down there. Standing in back embankment, and that's it. Then yeah. it's time to hit the road, and he's just taken off.
0: There's another one similar to that where he's given a bloke a tip, and he's like, he's like, put it in low range, medium revs, and you'll be fine. And the guy revs it a little bit, and it just goes over this embankment, it's upside down. And he's like, he's like, thanks <laughs> to some good quality seatbelts, and our friends at the Flying Doctors, the two tourists were able to successfully leave ICU very soon. Stuff like that, like it's just. <laughs> it's just so so funny uh Uh, yeah there's um, one where he's he's got like like, sorry
1: the fact that he's he's usually always wrong about any information that he gives you in regards to being in the back there's one where he's um he's picked up uh he's picked up a sheila that needed a lift he's saying when they stop off at this um body of water and he starts mentioning how it gets uh gets dry and it will just become bone dry out here when it dries up he's just like no, no, it doesn't. It never. This this never dries up. He's like, yeah. He's like, no. Can you just? Sh- like when, and then like pulls away. Like this, this is the real thing. Like he doesn't need the camera. Like they. It's like badly edited. I guess is the way is what they're going for. They didn't edit out the fact that he's now there talking to her, telling her not to cut him off and stuff. And then the best bit is after that. He's like, and then anyway, it was t- she ended up having to go her own way? And he's just literally just, just dumped her on the side of the road. And he's just taken off.
0: Yeah, there's a lot like that. A lot of gags where he, you know sight gags like the tent, his tent that he puts up collapses or anything like that or fires get out of control cars roll off because he hasn't put the brake on or whatever um there's one that's really good where he does, he's talking about he doesn't like gadgets or like big city gadgets and stuff he's like but this is one thing that i really like and it's a like a like a flint it's like a striking flint and he strikes it a few times gets a little fire going and he's like oh it's successful and he's like and then when you're done with it you can just chuck it in your bag he chucks it in his rucksack-looking bag, backpack thing, <laughs> and it just starts catching on fire in the background behind him. Uh, it's hilarious.
1: I was actually watching. Um, I was actually watching some of the special features that I had. He's like set up this this tent. So at some points, it's hard to tell whether or not this was this was actually Glenn Robbins playing Russell Court or whether he was actually getting shitty. Like it's good. It sounds like that could be Russell Court, but at the same time. I don't know. This branch bloody fell down and like landed on his um, tent that he just put up. He's like full just crack the shits with them. He's like, I could have been in there. Like, no. Nah. he's like has to start putting it back. He's like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, where, where's the normal tent that we usually have? I shouldn't be doing this.
0: It is funny when he when he gets right into it. Um, there are like a lot of running sort of jokes, I guess, throughout the, the you know, the thing uh, the the show and one of them which I think is hilarious, is where he tries to save indigenous animals and stuff like that. And oh, dear. normally kills them or ruins their habitat. Yeah.
1: Because oh, I got James on when they had the reprisal of it um, a couple of years ago. I got um, my son onto it and he thought it was pretty funny, which is good. I was like, good on you, good on you, champ. Um, so he was re watching it with me as so I put it on. And he's just saying, he's just like, Dad, he keeps killing the animals. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, mate. That's that's what's happening there.
0: One of the ones I like. The other thing I really enjoy in the show is when they use the stock footage. So, like the close up of a hand sha- of the handshake. How well, it's one thing I noticed about hand- the close
1: up of the handshake. So the very first person he actually shakes hands with that you see him shake hands with. It's it's that actual um, handshake. And then they use that same handshake for like every handshake afterwards, at least in the first series.
0: Yeah, for most of the most of them, and then it. But then they switch it. So later on, if he's um, shaking hands with an indigenous person, they show two white hands shaking. And then later on, when he when they, he shakes hands with a white person, they show like a, a black hand and a white hand shaking.
1: Yeah, because yeah, the first bike he shakes hands with in that series it was um, an indigenous. Person who was about to take him out and show him some, um, you know, there's so much food out here. You just gotta, you just gotta know where to look. Um, and so yeah, pretty much every other hand he shakes after that is is another white person, and it's just that same handshake from that very first episode that gets used. But I think I oh, that that one, there goes chokes because he's like looking. And he's like, oh yeah, could could we oh, look at this? You gotta eat this? He turns around and the bloke's just like, no, nah, y- you can't eat that. Yeah. Then and he gets to the point which he's just like, so can you? So out here, what could we find to eat? He starts going through some things that Kameh's like, and now he's like, nah, wrong time of year for that. He's like, right, so what about like right now, like right this moment, what could we find? It's like nothing.
0: So anyway, it was time to hit the road. (laughs) And he's off again. Some great little quotes that come out from the series as well. Like, you know, some of the animals are nocturnal. So the best time to see them is at night. Only you can't see them because it's dark. It's <laughs> hilarious. But the difference between seeing someone and not seeing someone in the outback is one hundred and ten square kilometers. That's a lot of land. Not many people, depending on where you are within that land. If you're in a town, the numbers go right up. <laughs> Again, very insightful. Right up. Uh, but it's just—it's just so much, like so much fun. And I'd—I'd I'd have to say it's in this episode that we're—we're recording. We can actually compare it to another thing we've talked about because there's so much going on in all of the adventures. It is, in a way, sort of like that airplane-style slapstick. In some ways, just stupid humor where there's always something funny happening or something's, you know, something's building towards something. Like even there's one.
1: Hit- I mean, the thing is, it's always predictable as well. You always know where it's going.
0: Oh yeah, one of my favorite stories when, when he takes a German it's family. funny out. Every single time. You know, the episode where he takes the German family out or the German people, and he's got those homemade biscuits that he's, he's made for them, and he keeps offering them to yeah. them, and they're like, "No, no, no!" And then one of them's like, "No, dunker," and he's like, "Yeah, you can dunk it." That's hilarious.
1: Um, another thing I was trying to find a specific one for it is the fact that when he's like giving his like you know descriptions of the land and stuff, is that he will rephrase the exact same thing that he's just said to describe the same thing.
0: Uh, well, I can give you somewhat of an example of that from the Russell Coit Celebrity Challenge when he's out talking to this... I think she's a writer, or she's meant to be a writer, a famous writer, and he took the hots for her a little bit and he's like looking out over everything and she's like, it's so amazing out here, everything's so archaic. And he's like, yeah, it's not so much archaic as it is really old.
1: <laughs> That's it. That's um, some sort of stuff. Another good example uh, was, this place gets more rain in 12 months in some places getting a year.
0: Yep. That's another good one. If you live
1: outside of Australia. Oh, and this this absolute gem. This is this is a, one of the better examples. Today we're going to explore some flora and fauna. And if we're lucky, we we'll might see some plants and animals too. <laughs> that is a cracker.
0: Um but yeah, if you do live outside of Australia and you haven't seen all of the adventures, definitely give it a watch. Um some of the stuff you probably won't get, but it's hilarious either way. It's just
1: yeah. Something about it which I think really captures, I think, the uh, the Aussie larrikin.
0: Yeah, he definitely is. Um, I just noticed this excellent... I'm guessing it's meant to be uh, like a bit of innuendo, talking about doing bird calls. Uh, and he say, Russell Quote says, once you get your finger in the right position and your tongue doing the same, the rest is easy.
1: <laughs> I there's some real, yeah, subtle jokes here. I think also like the running joke of... Um, his sister Meredith, yeah, you never actually see. Um, you, you never see the sister Meredith, uh, she gets she, she does a fair bit. Um, have you ever seen the um, like the self spricks as well for the Like, there's one in one episode, Slow on the Bottom, Russell Coit's new song out now on the Coit label. Um, and his sister Meredith got a shout out once as well when it was up in northern Queensland. Um, singing the song Dane Tree off a new album, Dane Tree on the Dane Tree label, yeah. I remember that. And it is literally just the word Daintree to the point where in the end, I'm pretty sure the last line they actually hear in the episode when the song is playing is uh, his sister Meredith spelling the word Daintree. <laughs> uh,
0: classic though.
1: But you, can, you can certainly say, especially like someone from overseas watching all Aussie adventures because the w- the way it is portrayed is very much, is it's is, is the real deal. And I think someone who doesn't understand Australian humour would take it and think that it is, you know, the real deal.
0: Yeah, if you do watch it and decide to travel to Australia, don't take any of the advice that gets given to you in this show. You will die. None.
1: Maybe about the amount of water you need to take, but that's about it. Yeah. I think if you took that amount of water, you'd probably be fine.
0: Yeah. I think it might even be a little bit
1: overkill, but... (laughs) Uh, the other thing, I don't know if you've ever picked up on this. Do you ever notice that during the opening theme song, he specifically mentions that he's going to take you for an hour, but the episodes only go for half an hour.
0: Yeah. It's just another little hidden gag in there, I guess.
1: Yeah, because I only picked up on it the other day when I was um, watching, re-watching it. And I was like... An hour? I was like, what? Yeah, so... Um... I don't know if that is an effect of the fact that most episodes are usually paired with another episode. So potentially, they did want to go for an hour-long program to start off with, but had to cut it back to half an hour due to whatever reason, network or whatever. Fucking network.
0: Screw everything up. Yeah, over I mean, it's a great... It is just a great series. Uh, good to just put on and have a good laugh.
1: Did you remember the, uh you know, we'll go back down memory lane, where he takes the... Because remember when you mentioned the celebrity challenge to me, the special episode I said, oh, one well, where he takes the kids out. And you're like, no. I was like, oh, okay. Um, it was actually uh, two episodes in the first series where he takes three kids out with him into the bush.
0: Yeah, and tries to, it's, like, it's sort of like almost like a scared straight sort of thing. They're like, are they like troubled teens or something like that?
1: Yeah, they're meant to be.
0: <laughs> they're meant to be. Um, <laughs>
1: they're meant to be. Oh, there's the one of them, Justin, who like keeps jumping in the car and getting in the driver's seat and like keeps taking off on... Russell every time he runs up to the car to try and get in it. Yeah, I remember that. So it was in that episode where he um he's been he's like, Oh, we've got a uh, old mine shaft here. It's real dangerous. Someone come out wandering out here at night and just fall fall down this, even though it's got like sheets of corrugated iron on it. So he put some bloody like five sticks of bloody dynamite. Underneath it to blow it up, and like they were real close to it. I remember watching it, and I was just like, "Oh shit!" You, you know, you know, stuff's about to go tits up anyway, and you're yeah. like, oh, "It's going to go real tits up." Somehow, after putting sticks of dynamite down a mine, old mine shaft covered in corrugated iron, he blows up the bloody little tin shack thing that they're meant to be staying in the night, which is like about ten meters away from them and not anywhere near where he's put the sticks of dynamite.
0: There's all sorts of crazy stuff like that that happens though, and um, it, it just adds, you know, adds to the comedy value, I guess. Yeah, have you seen the one where he picked, he thinks he's got a kid that he's picking up that's like take out sort of like a make a wish kind of thing and it's like a full-grown adult mm. lives with his mom and he's like constantly <laughs> asking him remember. and like nagging him about stuff and then they're like sitting there and he's like like oh. he's like, just trying to relax or whatever and then you just hear the guy in his tent he's obviously a massive fan and you just hear him and he's like all of the adventures and he's like singing the theme song and he's like shut up
1: <laughs> and i other where he gives you tidbits and information on like Australian history. That was something that I actually had forgotten about until I re-watched it recently. Yeah. He goes through and he's like talking about different uh, Australian historical figures and the way they did. And there's like, you know, they got like old footage coming up and stuff like that and pictures coming up. Because when we we're talking about Bush Rangers obviously he touches on Ned Kelly, talks about his metal armour and then he literally puts up a like a sketch drawing of an actual medieval knight in armour. Uh, that's,
0: yeah, that's classic. Though that's classic Russell quite. Um mm. I think I'm talking sure about
1: some other bloke who went through Victoria, and it's like he first he headed he headed south, then east, north and west, and then realised that it was just going around in a big circle.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, that's another example of just the absolute like genius that's behind this series. There's so many good little jokes I'm actually pretty sure that one of the historical and I use the phrase loosely characters that he, he mentions or talks about, a lady whose last name's Streslecky, which is mm. Sharon from Kath and Kim's last name?
1: is too. I wonder, because this was... Was this before Kath and Kim? Pretty sure it was.
0: Well, so it started in 02. Kath and Kim. Oh, I think Kath and Kim.
1: 2004? 2002. So it was just before Kath and Kim. So
0: there you go. So maybe Sharon's a reference to... Maybe there's a Coit-a-verse or a Robins-a-verse. Robins-verse?
1: Ooh, maybe. Or The Glenn-verse. Uncle Arthur and Uncle
0: Arthur, Russell Coit. Wayne Wheeler, Kel Knight, Kel, Knight. They can all be there. One of my favourite Australian memes is the picture of Glenn Robbins as Kel Knight and Russell. And then one of him is Russell Coit, and it's like, uh, it's, uh, Kel Knight, Kel Knight
1: in the streets, Russell Coit in the sheets. <laughs> So, as much as Russell Coint isn't a real person, we will accept that. We know that he he's, it is just Glenn Robbins. He's not actually the brainchild of Glenn Robbins, though, which I found weird. I always thought he was. Yeah, I always thought that as well. So, he was actually uh, the brainchild of Tom Gleisner. Gleisner? Gleisner. Gleisner. Still can't get it right. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Um, but he actually started off as a, well, originally... So it was actually developed from the idea of Wallaby Jack, right? Who was another parody bushman as well, which was on The Late Show. Uh, so Tom Glesner had previously worked on The Late Show, where he had played the character of Wallaby Jack, which was essentially the same thing. It was just a, a parody uh, character on you know the the bushmen, if you will, uh, like the, the Bush Tucker Man Steve Irwin. Leyland brothers and everything else like that and so when he was doing the panel right i remember that he would you do remember the panel
0: i remember the panel
1: yeah glissner had seen glenn walking past when he was doing the panel um and said that he'd been playing around with you know a character based on like steve Irwin, troy dan Leyland brothers and said that you know he thought that he had had a character in there that he could could make out of it a couple days later he turned around to uh, glenn and said would would you like to do it? Um, and apparently, Robbins responded with saying, you don't want me to in that. But they went away for a few days. They filmed some stuff. And that is literally how Russell Coit and all of the adventures came about.
0: Wow. I did not know that. That's actually a really interesting story. Hmm.
1: So, it started off as just a bit, of a, a bit of a vague idea of a character. Russell Coit decided to go out and- We'll go film it, see where it goes. Um, and that's how we come up with the absolute classic character known as Russell Coyne.
0: That's actually, yeah, that, that's actually a bit of a blowout because I would 100% sworn that, you know, Russell Coyne was the brainchild of Glenn Robbins. But, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. And I guess looking back at, you know, shows like Thank God You're Here, I remember watching that and thinking, this Tom Gleisner guy, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy and why is he judging? Now knowing, you know, his mind for comedy, I 100% realised why he was uh, judging oh
1: well, yeah and that, that's it isn't and it? he's he's obviously got a bit of a good eye of what's going on there uh tom glazner actually was a co-founder of the working dog productions um australian tv production company it's oh, in the name yeah um but and this is probably where they're going from so um they have they're credited with making such classic australian shows as frontline yep. um Behind the Frontline, Funky Squad. That one I'm not so familiar with. Not sure of that one. I've never. Uh, heard my the panel, <laughs> the panel, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, Aldrich Kitchen. No idea. Have been paying attention. Um, and show that's still going apparently called Utopia.
0: Oh, that's the one. Is it the one with um the redheaded fella? Not Tom Gleason. The other one, Luke. Someone.
1: Ah, uh, look, I'm going to go with yes. Why not?
0: Um, I've. I've- Heard a lot of good things about it. I haven't watched it yet, but I have heard a lot Luke of Luke McGregor. Good... Luke McGregor, yeah.
1: Not to be confused with the British TV series called Utopia, which is completely different kettle of fish. Also <laughs> quite good. And I believe you're familiar with this one, the animated animated uh series Pacific Heat. Yes. Is that the one that was like a it was very archer esque? Yeah, it was. Also uh, done by Working Dog Productions.
0: Man, I was hoping you were going to say Little Elvis Jones and the Truck Stoppers. <laughs>
1: no, not little, not little Elvis Jones and the Truck Stoppers. And actually, a couple of films here, which really should not be overlooked, which was also made by Working Dog Productions, Um, absolute classics, elite, one of them an absolute staple of Australian film. Is The Castle? It is The Castle. Fuck yeah. Um, but they also did The Dish. The Dish was good. We watched it in school, I'm pretty sure. Did you? That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and some other film called Any Questions for Ben. Not filling up with that one. Right. They only had three. Three films. That's
0: Even it. still, The Castle's enough.
1: Ooh, yeah, that's it.
0: That's, surely that's in the hat. That's definitely got to be in the hat.
1: Uh, well, I could imagine. So actually, that is a good point. We can go on about Russell all day, but where you are
0: could. the hats? Russell, all of the adventures, I guess it's one of those shows that's hard to talk about because you've actually got to see it to enjoy the, the gold that's in there. Oh, the-
1: this, yeah, how ludicrous it actually is.
0: Yeah, because yeah, our descriptions aren't—you know—probably wouldn't aren't, aren't getting it doing it justice. So if you haven't already, they no, really not. Yeah, all of Please it, don't let our
1: bad descri- descriptions dissuade you from uh, ever checking it out. It's certainly worth it.
0: One hundred percent worth it. Uh, we're gonna give it a quick rating um, before we go to the hats.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Um, totally biased Um, giving it five. Uh, it look, five. to be fair, I will give it four. Actually, I will give it four and a half, just because we did get reprised what a couple of years ago. And even though it was already very samey in the first couple of seasons, it felt very much samey because it was basically completely rehashed in every episode. Nearly all the jokes.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, um, I'll, I'll give uh, it a four yeah. and a half as well. Four and a half. What I don't know. Um, four and a half city slippers.
1: Nice. I'm four and a half Land
0: Rovers. Fair enough. But. Come comes to that time, as we always do, where we must consult the Hats of Destiny.
1: And consult, we shall. All right. First hat off the marks. And I'll tell you what. You pulled out the castle. You're going to like this one. Fuck. I have not pulled out the castle. No. um, I've actually pulled out, uh, it's a TV series. Okay. You've got to, considering we're doing this far away, you've got to try and guess what I've pulled out. I'll give you a couple. It's a TV series. I'll let you know that much, first of all. Okay. It's something that you have actually been wanting me to watch for a very long time now. Breaking Bad. It is Breaking Bad
0: fuck yes
1: very good very good it, it was indeed Breaking Bad
0: and if you have a stand membership oh, you can how watch quickly
1: it quickly you got that you just pounced on that yeah. like fucking so quickly
0: it is achievable to watch all of Breaking Bad in a couple of days but you have to watch it all day every day
1: what isn't there like seven seasons it's five seasons five seasons that's when I, I binge watched things for like four start days so you're using some of the bloody product on there
0: yes that's probably a good idea I <laughs> <laughs> wholeheartedly endorse you smoking um, meth I may not have seen it,
1: it but I'm fair idea to hear about what it's about um all right next off the bat we got we found the games hat here um funnily enough this could have also ended up being a tv show however when we wrote all these it was not a tv show
0: okay you wanted me to guess again yeah so it okay. could have been a t- so it's not a tv show now either
1: uh no so at the t- it's a video games coming out of the video games hat right i know that because i'm reading it now
0: Right.
1: It could have been when we wrote them. It, oh, no, not when we wrote them. It could now. If we were writing them now, it could go into the TV hat.
0: It could go into the TV hat now. Hmm. Uh,
1: came quite popular on the flicks.
0: Um, can you give me like a genre or something?
1: Uh, fantasy.
0: Fantasy. Not Minecraft. No,
1: it's not Minecraft. Uh starts Henry Cavill. Oh, The Witcher. Yeah. Nice. All right. And so, so help me Lord, this better be a movie.
0: <laughs> not usually a praying man, but Superman, if you're up there. <laughs> oh. Is, is this next episode going to be like five hours long?
1: No. No, I don't think so. Um, However, this movie is considered to be one of the best worst movies ever made. The Room. It is The Room.
0: But wow, that's a that's going to be an interesting- a That's a real mixed bag That's a real mixed bag. That's fucking like, yeah, crazy. Definitely going to be a, a good episode.
1: I think it is. I think it is. It's a nice mix. Uh, But as always, you've been listening to the Colder Popularity Podcast. Don't forget to get on the socials, likes on the faces, on the instas, uh, follow us on the twits. That's right. I believe it is. I think it may also be the following on the Instagrams as well. But do it all. Until next time, cop that.